What's up, everybody? You're listening to Salah's Corner with the one and only Salah Muhammad. So if you cannot tell, I am severely under the weather. I apologize ahead of time. I have been on this like two week sick bender that I am working to get over. But enough about me. Um, I met two um, amazing individuals, uh, two young black uh, people who are really focused on science, technology, engineering and mathematics, STEM. And I met them at uh, a networking event, and they gave me a really quick tour of their workspace over at uh, CIC, which is at 36 and Market. And I thought that what they were doing was absolutely amazing. They have a program that targets underprivileged students in uh, communities of color and elder disenfranchised communities and gives them the opportunity to come in and work one-on-one with scientists and really understand how to use real-world applications to the things that they're learning into the classroom that they can use later in life. And I think that's so incredibly important as we have conversations about reforming education, reforming how we're learning things in the classroom so that when we do graduate and we decide to venture out into the real world, we understand how to apply it to our life and to our career and that's incredibly incredibly important it's conversations that we just generally aren't having when it comes to education anymore so we'll talk a lot about that uh, the importance of stem and what it means to have education reform in our system So I've had a lot of people coming to me asking me where I find the time and the space to make all of these podcasts happen. Well, I have to thank the folks at Rec Philly. They provide me the space, the equipment, and the networking capacity to make this take off. And it's not just for other podcasts. Other creative individuals use this space as well. We're talking musicians, photographers, anyone that considers themselves a creative individual. So if that's you, head over to Rec Philly. Visit them on Instagram. And if you find yourself wanting a membership, tell them Salah sent you. First, let's introduce yourself. Um, okay, cool. So I'm David Buckholtz. Mm-hmm. I'm a program facilitator at the University City Science Center. Um, I manage a youth program known as First Hand. Mm-hmm. And First Hand is really about building curriculum that is with the industry and not against the industry. Um, we like to provide a layer of industry relevancy to all the curriculum we design while also giving students firsthand exposure to laboratory, STEM-based environments, and technology-based environments. Nice. That's, that's awesome. How did you get into the field of work that you do? Oh, um, ooh. Uh, at seven years old, my mother put me in a program at the Franklin Institute. Uh, the program was called PATS, so it's for Partnerships for Achieving Careers in Technology mm-hmm. and Science. Um, this is a weekend-based program that actually still exists in the city of Philadelphia. It's 100% free, and it also, similar to firsthand, it provides students that firsthand exposure to the science realm, so you actually get to work alongside scientists and That's entrepreneurs. dope. I've never heard of this program. Yeah, it's a, it's a four-tier program, so it has robotics, architectural design, general sciences, and an environmental science component. Hmm. Um, so students break out into their sessions on Saturdays, and they you know go to a workshop for like eight or, well, six to eight hours. Um, and then as students mature and they enter into high school, what happens is the museum taps these employee, these young people and say, hey, do you want to be an employee nice. of the Science Museum? Nice. And it gives those students workforce exposure. So, yeah. That's pretty amazing. And we have another guest, Aaliyah. So my name is Aaliyah Elijah. I am the CEO and founder of the STEM Land Science Foundation, um, which I started to provide free STEM workshops to underrepresented communities. And it was just to 
you know, expose kids to science, technology, engineering, and math at a young age. CEO, say it with your chest. CEO. CEO. <laughs> CEO. Um, and then, you know, same question for you. What, what, you know, um, got you into to doing this work um, in such a pivotal moment for, for kids? Well, unlike David, I, I never liked science, mm. um, as you could have seen earlier. Yes, um, we, we ran into one was, of your teachers. Yes, <laughs> it was just a subject that was like all these big words and things of that nature, and I'm, I just ran away from it. Um, but it wasn't until I got to college and the STEM minor came out and someone came up to me and was like, we want you to do this minor. And I'm like, uh, no, science, technology, no, absolutely not. Um, but for some odd reason, I did it anyway, and I loved it. And the more reason why I started my nonprofit is because I went back to Philly and no one knew what it was. But mm. I was student teaching in, in schools in Lancaster and they were doing it inside their classrooms. And I realized that it wasn't hard. It wasn't anything that it was just, I just was like, yeah, well, I have to find a way to get this back into my community. Because right. it was fun, and it was fun learning, and I was just like, why why is this not in Philly? Yeah, I, um, I'm i a bit of a nerd. I wear contacts now, but I, I've been wearing glasses since I was five. So I was that kid, to, to break it down for you guys, I was, in the library like every day, mm-hmm. like the neighborhood library. I grew up in West Philly, so I was at the Haverford Branch Library all the time near Haddington um, with my glasses, reading books. And then I was a part of like this robotics after school league in, in, in my middle school. And so I was super, super nerdy and into it before it was like cool. Um, for those who don't know what STEM is, Break it down for us. STEM is, it's an acronym, Mm -hmm. Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. And it's basically the integration of um, those subjects. So an easy way to put it, it's like project-based learning to where you, instead of, okay, you're just going to learn science and you'll learn about math, just bring in, say, just putting together, say, a project. So... Just for an example, because it's easier for me to do an example. If mm-hmm. I say um, to my kids that I want you guys to build a roller coaster, and you have a certain amount of money, the math part, that you have to buy your supplies, um, you're going to follow steps. So you're going to be a scientist, you're going to follow the steps, you're going to follow it, you're going to be an engineer because you're going to actually build it, and you're going to use technology to actually put it together. So that's basically what it is in like a snapshot, but it's, it's definitely more complex than it because you can break down each of those. Mm. But on a bigger scale, it's definitely just project-based learning. I think back to the days that, um, you know, when I was in middle school and I was, you know, I would, we, we had this thing called the uh, Academic League where we, we, it was a two-pronged thing. So we went on tour um, at different schools in the district, and we we went head to head with them on on different uh, areas of academics, whether it was mathematics, science, English. Uh, but then that same team was also the robotics team. So we built, you know, one of the shows that I used to watch was uh, I don't even remember the name of it. It was on PBS, and I used to do like battle. It's BattleBots. Yes, BattleBots. Back <laughs> in the day, I love that show. This I'm telling you guys, I'm like I, I, I used to be a super nerd. But like at what you you if you ever get a chance look it up. So you would basically they would build 
remote control robots mm-hmm. that would just fight each other. And it was, I, I, I loved it. I mean, you can come to the Franklin Institute in April. We actually build a cage and we actually host a robotics competition. Really? Yeah, Battle Box competition. That's dope. So the youth program, these students actually build a robot, a full-scale robot. They use math, the technology, the engineering mm-hmm. concepts. They equate the materials to mm-hmm. like, you know, a 10-style st- strength test to figure out, you know, if their robot is extremely durable. And they put it in a, a bulletproof cage and they actually fight each other for a couple hours. That's that's pretty dope, and that's that's amazing because one of the things that, one of the reasons why I stopped, you know, my excitement for that because I I felt looking back that the school district really failed to wrap their arms around me, and for someone who loved it, like I was watching that stuff as a kid at home, you know, so not to be able to to now these programs are being canceled in my schools and. I don't have further opportunities to do that going forward. How do you guys see your role with what you're doing in that? Um, honestly, we are where was now. We're the wave. We're the future. Um, the school districts are not going to provide that, at least in inner city populations, right? You know, we don't even have like the um, culinary arts, which is like the 1.0 to STEM education, because you need to be able to read a recipe and understand the materials you need and take measurements before you can do any lab work at mm. all, right? So if you take culinary arts out of schools, then students are already one step behind towards understanding how to become a scientist, mm. right? Because then you eliminate wood shop, mm. right? right? So students don't understand craftsmanship. They don't understand how wood glue works in comparison to super glue or gorilla glue, right? They don't understand how to operate machinery with a, le- a level of like safety, right? And then you also have the lack thereof STEM all together in the academic environment, right? Mm. There's no robotics. There's no hardcore technology classes. So what's happening right now is you have people that are our age, the 26, 27, 28 years of age, right? And they're trying to enter the technology market or the STEM community, but they're underprepared. They have never done a lab. They've never entered a laboratory. They've never worked alongside a scientist. So they don't know what level of expectation they should bring to the table, right? Mm -hmm. So it already makes it three times harder to penetrate the technology industry, especially for a black and brown youth. Right. I think what we really need to do is we need to proctor the creation of more science-based and technology-based programs like STEM Land Science Foundation, like firsthand, so that we can give students a free science program on the weekends after schools, right? Give them that early on exposure to how you do a lab, how you do public speaking, how do you communicate with scientists. Um, That's that's amazing because I fully put that on school districts' failure of wrapping their arms uh, around their students, canceling those different programs that, you know, I, I, I went to a high school that had culinary arts my ninth grade year, it was canceled by the time I graduated high school. This was in, you know, early 2000s. Um, you know, Woodshop was gone before I even got there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything doing with uh, science was long gone before I got there. All of these different programs are, are just disappearing left and right. Like, do you feel it, it's, is it an intentional thing? You know, not to to, to cast any aspersions on how you think they, they are operating, but you, do you think it's, you know, people just don't take it seriously? It's just not a, it's it's an extracurricular thing? Because I feel like it's multiple things. Mm. It's like... Break it down for me. To start, because being, this is why I really love my job and being actually in a charter school and a public charter school kind of, sort of. So being in that, in this environment, I, I'm learning that 
schools are pushing just a little, not even schools, because my school does great in what they do and what they provide. It's just that the district and standards, we have to meet these standards every mm. year. And kids have to learn how to read and kids have to do math. And I, I completely get that. But the extracurricular, meaning like cultural arts or whatever the case may be, people, kids have music. Um, the push is not for like, oh, we need to know how to do STEM. The push is for from what I'm seeing is to pass the PSSAs or to pass the benchmarks or the things Standardized like that. Standardized testing. Yes, is that's the push. So whatever's on this test is like, oh, these kids need to know. But in our reality, whatever's on that test, these kids are not probably going to see again. And that's just one major thing that I see. And that's why I'm like, I need to get STEM inside of schools at a young age, mm -hmm. kindergarten, first grade, second grade. I'm, I'm pre-K to fourth all the way. So that's just one area. And then you have parents, and it all starts with reading with your child. I'm, I'm, I'm going farther away from STEM, but it really starts at the home. Mm. Parents are not connected to their children. Mm. I have, without saying names, I just have students that parents don't even know that their child can't read. And that's sad. That's sad. So it's like, how am I going to push science and STEM on this child when I have to teach them how to read first? So that's it, another aspect of it. It's like your shirt, and your shirt says politics or personal. Um, it's, it's a personal business, right? And mm -hmm. it's a game. I think we're playing in the political arena. Um, whereas, like, politics, it, it depends on, you know, we have a Republican or a Democrat in the office, and then we get some information from Governor Wolf, and it's like, hey, you have $15 billion dedicated to STEM education in Pennsylvania, mm. right? But if we get a Republican in the office, you're like, oh, you know, you only got $5 billion STEM education in Pennsylvania. It doesn't cut it. <laughs> you understand? It doesn't cut it at all. Um, I think what's happened is we have this mindset in America in which if you have a certain level of privilege, your mm -hmm. student will be prepared or your young person will be prepared to enter the workforce or enter the STEM community with with open arms, right? Right. If you come from any other faction, you're going to have to climb out of the, out of the mud to get there. Um, I think what is actually happening is that Similar to what Aaliyah says, students in schools, they're really focusing on that, like, the standardized test. They're focused on making sure students can pass the PSSAs and all that stuff, and they're not really too concerned with, well, does this student understand the basics of finance? Does a student understand the basics of, like, what the STEM acronym means? Mm. Does this student understand that there is a, an extreme wealth gap in between electing to go into the STEM majors mm -hmm. or the liberal arts majors, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, actually planning for success, not just planning for comfort. You'll see a whole bunch of students, and they're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go for psychology. Not to knock anybody that might have studied psychology. I'm just going to go for psychology. And then you're asking, well, why? What do you, what's your next step? And they're like, oh, I think I'm going to get a doctorate in education. And that's just like, whoa, did you did you do your research, right? Did you Do you understand the path that you actually must take to be successful? So I don't think we're actually being straightforward with young people and having that like straightforward like conversation to say like, hey, STEM can give you this and then these other offerings can give you that, right? right. It's just like the young people who want to be athletes. Young mm -hmm. people be like, I want to go to the NBA, right? And typically as an adult, you say, okay, cool. But you don't say, well, what's your backup plan? Right. If you tear your ACL, like I did in eighth grade, because my football dreams were out the window eighth grade. I tore them at the Franklin Institute. Broken ankle, tore an ACL mm. during the summer camp. So I started high school with a messed up leg, right? The light bulb had to, I had to connect the dots at some point and realize right. that, well, this is my backup plan. My backup plan is STEM, right? I need to activate that right now. Um, and yeah, it is sort of on the parents in some respect, but honestly, it's on, 
I'm going to revert it back to our generation, right? It's our mm-hmm. generation's responsibility to create programs so that we give students this exposure, right? Because school districts aren't doing it. The households have too much to worry about and to deal with on a day-to-day basis. So it's our responsibility. Just to add on to that is because I'm glad you said the privilege part because there's something because when I was in Lancaster and I went to schools in Lancaster and Lancaster um, PA? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, my school was, I went to Millersville. Okay. So the surrounding city was Lancaster, where yeah. the closest city was Lancaster. Yeah. So they sent us to schools in Lancaster or in um, York or places around that area, and they knew what it was. I asked a kid there. They knew what STEM is. They could answer that question without a doubt. Um, but it's just, I think it's all about representation. Like, I asked the girls that I serve, like my kids, I'm like, what do you want to be when you get older? I'm gonna do hair. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna do hair. I'm like, that's absolutely fine, but you better be the best hairstylist ever. And you, she don't understand that. They don't understand that you're gonna need some type of technology to do hair. You're gonna need to know how to work it. And you just want to be on the opposite end of, oh, I know how to maybe make this technology. Like I'm just trying to shift their mindsets because their mindsets. I want to do hair. Or I want to. I just want to, you know, do nails or whatever the case may be. And I'm just trying to show them that because I'm a woman. And there's not too many women in science or women in any type of, you know, science field. Or not a lot. That we're not represented, especially black women. Right. So it's just like a couple. So they don't even know that they are already, they have to work 10 times harder than a normal person, a white person, to put it in perspective. And they they answer them questions so easily, I just want to do hair. And it's like, what? Do you think that's a, I, I think about how our economy I have two questions, but let, let, I want to address that one first. Do you think, as as we've moved away from, you know, working for someone, you know, so many people are just really sick and tired of working for someone, and this next generation, right, we hear about this is the gig economy. So what gig, what trade, what thing that can you do in your own skill set to make money for yourself? Do you think it's a product of that? where people are focusing on how to make a quick dollar versus developing a skill that they can use and translate to multiple different workforces. It, it's like their environment that they're in. They To make a quick dollar, what they see every day to make a quick dollar is not what we are thinking. So they're not, they don't see a black man actually going out there, going to work every day and trying to start their own businesses. You don't see that a lot, it's not a lot of representation in the black community so lack of representation is a big issue in the community um it's kind of hard to excite students about stem if they don't see themselves ever in that position mm-hmm. right and that was a hard thing for me growing up um at age 17 i had the beautiful opportunity to start working for my first black scientist mm-hmm. and like working alongside him and taking orders from him and mm-hmm. and it was real mm-hmm. right but that helped bridge the gap i was like wow you know this is a black man, right? You yeah. know, you almost glorified the ground that he walked on to a certain degree. He had a black wife, beautiful black kids. They were aspiring scientists. And you're just like, dang, like, you know, we need more of this. Um, the issue is that young people don't get to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a twofold to this question, which... Uh, well, the other the other part of it was a completely separate question um, that I had. Can on, you on state the original question one more time? The original question was, you know, we, we uh, Aaliyah mentioned how, um, you know, kids when you ask them what they want to do you know doing hair okay. the, the the focus seems to be as we are in this gig economy quote unquote that I just need to 
do something that's going to make me a quick dollar. Right. Okay, so it's funny. Uh, I remember in ninth grade, eighth grade, I was still being like a little bit of a class clown, and we had a conversation about colleges, right? And one kid in the front, he was like, you know, he wanted to go to Harvard. And the teacher was like, you know, what's wrong with some of our expectations? And I was just like, half of you all ain't going to the schools you want to go to. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to be a class clown, and she was just like, you're absolutely correct. She was like, your, your ideal is not your actual. She was like, you, you got to figure out how to meet yourself halfway, right? You want to go to Harvard, but you got a 2.0 GPA, right? So it's the same thing with students who want to make a quick dollar, right? I want a clothing line. Cool. Do you know how to use a heat press? Do you know how to use Adobe Illustrator, right? Mm-hmm. Do you know how to use transfer paper? Do you know how to use these forms of technology? Do you have access to these forms of technology? Mm-hmm. Even if you know how to, if you don't know, if you don't have access to it, you're you're done. You understand? So I think we have to provide our students with access. And that's one thing I really have to commend the Science Center and firsthand is they give young people access. How to build a shirt, how to make a website, right? How to play with liquid nitrogen and dry ice, right? Mm. How to walk into a laboratory and understand safety first, right? Mm. How not to blow up the laboratory, (laughs) you understand? Um, When you give students that exposure, I've seen the light flash. Students walk out and they're like, a young lady this week was like, yo, I think that if I figured out the right recipe for conductive ink, I could market my own pencil to high schools and middle schools. And I was like... what yeah <laughs> i looked at her i was like okay hold on sign this real quick because when you make this money i need my 25 percent right top yes <laughs> i'll turn this to you and that was the light bulb right there that flashed she had exposure she developed the concept and idea she used the problem solving process and she was like oh i have an idea how mm-hmm. can i make this happen right but without the early onset exposure she still would have been trying to figure out how i can become a millionaire by doing hair not trying to knock that but like you said you got to be the best hairstylist on the planet mm-hmm. to be making in those racks or be doing hair for like beyonce and she's paying you like twenty five thousand dollars a week to do her hair or something right. right right so like it has to be realistic and i don't think we're being too realistic with our students they're like i want to go to the nba and you're like dude i seen your game last week you only had five shots what's your backup plan bro are you planning to do the the engineering the technology or, or even go to college and take it serious and when you have that conversations with them, it may hurt them a little bit, but it, it will help bridge the gap, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, oh, yeah, you're kind of right. Do you know somebody who has hurt themselves who's no longer, they don't have the ability to be an athlete no more? Mm. Then they're like, oh, yeah, you understand? So we got to be real with our young people. And I think we're just, we're in this phase right now where we're being fake. Everybody's trying to like sugarcoat it. I know I keep bringing up my girls, but because I always talk to them, I'm like, you can get your nails done. That's fine. I get my nails done too. You can get your hair done. You can be a hairdresser. That's absolutely fine. But on lab day, I want you to put your all your your, your equipment on and be the smartest person in the lab also. Mm. I want you to teach somebody else in this lab. Like, I don't want you to just think, oh, you got your nose done, then you done. Like, you know. No, like, it comes with, like, the culture. It's fine to be cool. It's fine to be smart. It's fine to be a scientist. It's it's fun to practice and learn new things. And they, I'm just trying to let them know that even though you don't see it, I'm here to show you that I am it, and I tell them all the time, I didn't go to school for science. I went to school to be a teacher. My minor was in STEM, so I I don't have a degree in biology or whatever the case may be, but I consider myself a scientist because I ask questions, and I research them, and I answer them, and I come to work every day and to teach you how to be one, and so you can go further than me, and that's, that's the conversations that we have, and I, I feel like I'm getting to them, but Every day is different. It's a it's an everyday uh, process of, of mm-hmm. constantly, you know. It's not a 
it, it's very similar to what I'm doing here, right? Mm -hmm. I don't look at this as a path, as a, you know, there is going to be a destination. Right. This is a continuous path that doesn't end because as we're having these conversations, there's always going to be someone else mm -hmm. that needs to have the conversation or we may need to have this conversation again to bring people back into into the focus. Um, but what's something that you guys, you know, are, were talking about alluded me to my second question, which I did not forget, <laughs> um, which was, you know, we talk a lot about setting our kids up for success or preventing them from failure, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be a, a hairdresser. Well, do you you know all of the details that it takes to become a hairdresser? Do you know how to build that business? You want to be a ball player, okay? Well, what about when you get hurt? What do you have? What's your fallback plan? When we are in these schools and you see these programs being cut, and the only thing that's being focused on is uh, standardized testing, and did you pass this test? Did you pass that test? And or I got to prepare for all of these, you know, tests coming up. You know, my son comes home, came home the other day and was talking about how much he was stressed because he's like getting ready for the test and he ain't even take the test yet. Do you guys have any confidence? I say that long thing to say, do you have any confidence in how the school district is preparing these students for failure or success? Um, I have the utmost confidence that the school districts are preparing students for failure. Mm. OK, um, I think that it relies on the teachers to home in on soft skills, right? Like refined public speaking, communication. How do you use computer programs? All that basic stuff first. Um, I think that is also our generation's responsibility to make a whole bunch of noise about this issue. Right. And to take heed to the people who are the leaders within the Department of Education. It's time for change. Education is something that has never really been reformed at all in the United States, and we've always been doing it from the traditional approach, which is, here's this book, right? Here's your test date, right? Mm -hmm. Make it happen. Right. Right? And it needs to be more like, okay, do you are you okay with taking this book? Here's your test date. Make it happen. If not, awesome. Take this computer program, do the same thing. Build this website, do the same thing, right? But we need to provide more than just a traditional approach. We need to provide the application approach. We need to apply the the uh, industry-relevant approach, right? We need to give students the full circle so that they can make an informed decision because it's their future. And we have to home in on some of the things that our prior generations, they did. Woodshop, auto repair, finance, literacy. Like, it makes no sense that on your first day of college, you've already assumed so much debt, but students don't even know how to do compound interest. Mm. Like, that's, that is sad. Yeah. And I did the math for myself, and I'm like, whoa, so you mean my first day at Penn State, I was already in debt. 23 G's yeah and they're like I'm just like that's amazing that makes no sense at all and that I'm not trying to throw jabs at my prior teachers or, or my high school or nothing like that but I am trying to say unilaterally as a whole we have to reform education in America hmm. it's going to take STEM to do that just to let you all know so <laughs> how does it how does STEM reform education Excellent. Um, so that is how we do some work with industry and not just like doing work against the industry. And when mm -hmm. I say doing work against the industry, it's like, um, well, I'm going to start with doing work with the industry. If Apple needs to hire in, in 10 years, 15,000 computer scientists, right? How do we prime the Philadelphia school district to produce at least 20% of those 15,000 computer scientists, mm. right? And we do that when the industry understands the issue that they are actually on the way on the opposite end of, of benefiting from, right? If the industry doesn't get involved, you're going to produce either no computer scientists or some crappy computer scientists, right? 
why not get involved now and create a program that offers schools laptops and resources at an affordable rate, right, that actually has scientists walking into the academic setting with the students and forging relationships that helps with representation, right? It forges relationships that we create curriculum with the industry, not against the industry, right? And then these students are more prepared to enter the industry. Hmm. You know at the very onset that like computer science is for you or not for you. I learned really early that I do not like coding and I will never sit in one place for five hours and code. (laughs) I can't do it, okay? But I did learn that I could make a robot and build a rocket and design some planes and do AutoCAD and all that good stuff, right? And that was like popping for me. I love that. It's like almost being a creator like you. I get to walk down the street with my iPad and take a couple pictures and design a plane. That's awesome. But I had to see that to fruition before I could actually get there. And then I also had to have the resources. And that's where the privilege comes in the part because unfortunately for other students, my mother and father was educated. So I had those resources. I had a MacBook Pro, I had an iPad, I had a TransPass to get on the train, I had a library card to get into the library, right? So we don't show students how to do that or give them the resources that their parents can't give them. It's gonna be really hard for them to come out the mud right like the, you the students only have no choice but to do the wrong things mm. that we're talking about you know preventing young people from doing i mean you, we fraternize about oh my god young people are selling drugs and young people are in the community and they're doing bad but like is a library open is the community clean mm-hmm. do they have internet access at home right because i'd rather kids play call of duty all day or grant a photo in comparison to be on the block beating right. up people and stuff right. right but if they don't have internet access it's not fair hmm um, I do have one more question, um, and it's it's going back to that idea that we are in this gig economy. How does STEM play a role in this, you know, emerging workforce that does not want to work for someone else? Right? Like, I'm I'm you know I'm tired of going to work for someone else's mission, um, and I want to maybe not necessarily make that quick dollar, but I wanna pursue something that's right for me. Where does STEM play a role into that? Um, for me, I think that STEM like, helps you sit down and actually think about your end goal. And I say that because when I do project-based learning or do anything with STEM, um, if I say here, build the roller coaster, they are actually sitting down and they're building their, the materials they're gonna use, they sit down and think about that. They, how much it's going to cost, where they're going to get the money from, and they draw a picture of their outcome. So with that, it just promotes like a creative mindset and a lifestyle and a um, just be, just becoming critical thinkers. So not just saying, oh, I want to do this and don't have an end goal. If I say, okay, build this, how are you going to build this? So I'm trying to sit them down and really think about what they're going to do at the end. And it also just draws a little bit more interest. And I've noticed that with being a teacher, especially with the kids I serve, I can't stand up and just open the textbook, say open this textbook and go to this page and we're reading this today. Right. That's absolutely impossible. Right. I have to grab their interest in some type of way. So I'm going to say, okay, you guys like the rap. They come in every day beating on a desk trying to trying to rap. Okay, rap about the phases of the moon. Hmm. That's what I want to that's what I want to hear rap about. Oh, okay. We we could do that. And they literally put on they put together a rap lyrics about all eight phases, the names and everything and I was just like, wow. And so. the the 
the reason why I'm so proud of it is because during the test, I see them in the back in their minds like this, like rapping that song. <laughs> and I'm just like, yo, so every, this is, y'all just gonna do this every time we get a new, on a new topic, make a rap about it. I give you an A. Because they passed the test. And I'm just right. like, and I only say that because that's that's how you, I grab their interest. And I always look, oh, y'all always on Instagram. Okay. I printed out a, like a blank Instagram post. And I said, okay, we're going to make Instagram posts today about whatever the topic is. Because um, I teach global studies also. so And we were learning about the Vikings. So I'm like, okay, if the Vikings had an Instagram, what do you think they're going to post? And they thought about that's it. But based, 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 based on what we learned and we talked about that week, they they made an Instagram post about the Vikings. That's dope. And I just that's how I try to do it now because that's the only way I can get them to like what they're learning is grabbing their interest. And and you're setting the foundation of how they they go through learning through the rest of their life and breaking it down to a mm-hmm. level that they understand and they know that's how they learn. Right. Which is incredible because adults don't also don't understand how they learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're teaching it at a younger age. And I. I want to say this also, even in my science labs, like I have no behavior problems when they're in science lab. Hmm. Like I would have, you know, a mistake happen or like it's just I'm not going to say it's none. It's just it's limited. So I have like maybe one or two like incidents. Um, and that's if I could do lab every day, I would. (laughs) But I have to teach the content first and then do the lab. But I love doing labs because I'm like they all. You got their seat. undivided attention. Yeah, every Tuesday they come in like it's lab day, it's lab day, it's lab day. Or sit down, sit down, sit down. We gotta, and I'm like, That's can y'all do this Monday, Wednesday? I can I can attest to that because I was I was very disruptive in school, but mostly because I I thought it was boring. And I would learn it, and mm-hmm. I would just sit there and go, okay, well, everybody else is still learning it. And I'm, um, I don't, I don't, I'm, I've already got it. So now mm-hmm. I'm going to disrupt everybody else around me. Mm-hmm. Versus when I was lab, right. I was like, oh, I got something to do while everybody else is still learning it. Right. And I'm, you know, I'm rolling on to whatever the next thing is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was something that kept my mind going. But see, that right there is exactly what I'm talking about. Providing a difference in education, right? Mm-hmm. So you, someone in the lab gave you the option to like, move at your own pace you understood that you could read that info you can you had the materials at your graphs and you were just like well i could just go with it whereas other students have to take it at at a slower pace Mm -hmm. um to answer your question i think when it comes to exciting students about becoming entrepreneurs we have to give them that early onset exposure and then we also have to bridge the curriculum so like geometry should be geared towards 3d printers there's no reason that students shouldn't learn geometry and know that if you master this you got 3d printing down pat Right. For the most part. Right. Um, same thing with biology and chemistry. Right. Like, how can we bridge the gap and relate that to the real world? Well, you can make kinetic sand at home mm-hmm. with a bag of sand, some starch and some glue. Right. Well, Putty, there's a guy that actually comes into firsthand at the Science Center. His name is Crazy Aaron. He quit his job as a computer developer. And all crazy he Aaron. does is <laughs> you can Google him. He's on like Amazon. He sells Crazy Aaron Putty out of Pennsylvania. Hmm. Has a factory and all, has like 1,500 employees, and they make putty all day. He comes in with the students, shows them how to do it, and we have a whole class designed on, on putty. But to, to, you know, to close, it's really honestly about making sure that whatever we're teaching, we bridge that gap. It has some like relation to pop culture, and is geared mm-hmm. towards the real world, because that's how we excite them, and then that's how we make it like, we answer the why. 
right? Because young people love to ask the why. David, mm-hmm. why are you making me do this? Why do I have to put this lab coat on? Mm-hmm. Why is this experiment taking so long, right? Well, then I'm going to alleviate the why. The why is right in front of you. And that, that why is, I, I feel like for a generation, we stopped asking mm-hmm. that question. Um, we just, we were doing because that's what we were told to do mm-hmm. and not figuring out, well, why are we doing this? Is it applicable? Is it real world applications to what we're doing? Or do I learn how to apply it to real world Mm -hmm. settings? And then if not, I'm just, you know, how many kids graduate high school and be like, I'm, what the hell was I doing with (laughs) taking algebra three? Trigonometry classes. I don't know what the right. right, hell am I? Because they don't know how to relate to the world. Exactly. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Um, So let's talk about your program. Let's do it. Real quick. Let's wrap this up. Tell us, tell us what what you what you guys do um, when you go in when you bring these students into your into your programs and, and all of that. Do you want to start? Um, sure. Um, so what I do is of of course provide STEM workshops. Um, most of them are like magnetic slime, or I just started coding because um, I. I don't know. I'm starting to like kind of sort of fall in love with it. I guess it's only because I'm starting to get it, like what it actually is and how to do it. So I'm like, okay, so I got to find a way to get this into my nonprofit. Um, But just before that, can I comment on what you said? Sure. I wanted to say this. um, My eyes just got big. (laughs) No, no, no. You said incorporating like computer science and STEM just inside, inside curriculum. And what I'm learning is, because I told you I got the grant, is what I'm learning is that you, you don't have to just say, oh, we're doing computer science. You can actually use this technology every day inside your classrooms. Yeah. Like, you ever heard of B-Bots? It's, it's these okay. small little robots that a two-year-old can work that if you wanted to teach them math, you can say, okay, add one plus one. You push the t- button on the top, it's an arrow, goes up one space, and it's like a little robot. And it just gets them used to just seeing, you know, this type of stuff inside their classrooms. And I just wanted to say that because I'm like, I'm trying to work on getting computer science and STEM just incorporated in the curriculum, not just saying, okay, we're going to learn how to code today, but okay, we're using um, Makey Makey Kits today while we're learning um, how to, the phases of the moon. Or when we're on our computers, we learn, we're using our Makey Makey Kits to control our computers to do whatever whatever we're learning. And just so they can get used to actually learning or using technology so they won't be so scared of it. Um, and just not just, okay, I know how to work YouTube. I'm a computer scientist. No, <laughs> computer science is not, oh, I'm good with technology. Is actually the back end of it. The stuff so, that nobody sees. Yes. So I just wanted to say that. But back to um, your question. So I just provide, you know, a STEM workshop, whereas I'll do maybe a demonstration, baking soda or vinegar, just some type of chemical reactions and just getting them to say, okay, what's happening? And I allow them to be the scientists. Okay, what do you see? Okay, so what do you think is going to happen if we not mix it, mix baking soda, but what if we use this peroxide? What's going to happen? What do we know about peroxide? What do you use it for? And just actually doing, like, you know, using the scientific method to walk through, you know, and then come up with a conclusion. Okay, what happened? What, what just happened? And even if they don't, to help them understand even if your prediction was wrong that don't mean that okay I'm not a scientist no you you either try not try again retest or you just move on okay let me answer another question I didn't really like that one hmm. um, it just I'm just trying to help young kids at a young age get used to failure okay you, you can fail but you still have to keep going and also getting used to 
doing science inside of their classroom and outside of their classroom. So that's kind of why I started it. I'm like, oh, this is fun. Like, it's fun. It's like fun learning. And that's that's why that's why I started it. Very dope. How do you um, how do you guys pick the students for this workshop? Do you target specific schools or is there a certain criteria that students have to meet for these uh, for the workshop? Um, well, usually um, daycares, recreation centers, mm. not just schools, like will email me or contact me and say, hey, can you come in for a workshop? And I'll say, okay, what are you guys learning right now? If they are, or if it's a preschool, I'll just come in and maybe just pick something to do. Just mm. say, okay, let me just grab their interest in it. Um, but yeah, usually people will email me, but if I'm like, I'm trying to get into, you ever heard of Lotus Academy? Mm-hmm. It's a school that I've actually um, went to and I'm trying to contact them. Like I'm trying to, I want to come there and do a workshop for you. Um, so it can go either way, but send in an email to Foundation at gmail.com. You can definitely get that plug in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So can I add to that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I'm actually working with Aaliyah a little bit more to help you know, move STEMland forward. Um, Mm -hmm. We're actually about to start structuring a board and we're interested in opening up a summer-based program, probably like a four to six week summer-based program, um, targeting some specific students who are interested in STEM, but then also targeting some like underrepresented students who, Mm. you know, parents are like, I want my student to be in a science-based environment. I want my student to go hiking, go fishing, learn archery, but also learn biochemistry, robotics, and computer science. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, STEMland is a, Simland is on the rise. Just to let yes. you all know. Mm-hmm. Dope, dope. So the program that I work with more favorably is known as First Hand. Yes. So First Hand is a middle school and high school program of the University City Science Center. Um, it's been in existence for about six years now, um, and I've only been with the program for about six months. Um, what we do is we design a specific course for about a 12-week session, mm-hmm. and we target um, about 12 middle schools and about three high schools. So these students, they come to our laboratory or incubator space once a week for approximately two hours a week. We deliver the science content. Um, in the 12-week session, what happens is the students, they're, they're doing various labs, they're doing brain teasers, they're understanding how to build a roller coaster, and they're understanding how to relate that to slope, um, rise over run, all that great stuff. Um, and then in addition to that, the industry relevance is they're actually going to have a mentor. Mm. The mentor isn't a person, it's more or less a company. So bio labs, Drexel University, um, the science center itself, they'll, they'll say, hey, you know, I'll be a mentor. And the mentor comes into the class one time, uh, gives a brief presentation. We limit public speaking to about 10 minutes because mm-hmm. young people don't want to be spoke to. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they, no, they, they, they don't want to yeah. be lectured. Yeah, they want to yep. do things. Yeah. So, uh, and I don't care if you got a PhD or not, in 10 minutes, we're looking at you like, hey, <laughs> yeah. hey, hey. Right, what's going on? Wrap it up, box. Stop right. talking. That up, They're going to sleep, right? <laughs> um, and then the part two of that is taking the students out of our space and welcoming them to their space. Hmm. So all these students bring in lab coats, goggles, eyewear, all that great stuff. And they go into a lab that's actually either working on a vaccine for HIV or Lyme disease, wow. or they're figuring out how to tackle another complex issue. Um, and they're right next to a scientist. It could be an African-American scientist, a Caucasian scientist, an Asian scientist. Diverse, diversity is big because we have to hit the representation mark. And they're doing an experiment, either a gel electrofreeze, they're looking at a microscope, they're looking at some biology, they're looking at bacteria and viruses, and they're, they're there for a solid hour so they can understand what a scientist does on a day-to-day basis. So they can bridge the gap between why David asked you to do all this science crap for four weeks, <laughs> why is it relevant? And the scientist is like, oh, well, well, the young people is like, oh, wow, this is what a scientist does every day. It's exactly what I was doing in class, right? So it's not boring. It's 
is how this person made $200,000 this year. Yep. Wow. Right. And then the light bulbs flash. Um, the high school program, they really focus on tackling a real world problem for a company. So the company might say, hey, I need a website redone. I need a logo redesigned. Um, or one of the more favorable issues we're tackling is we're trying to examine how 5G is going to be brought to Philadelphia. And we're working with a company called Crown Castle. Crown Castle pretty much puts up well, Wi-Fi nodes on top of like skyscrapers so mm-hmm. that we all have 5G internet. That's dope. Yeah. So your students is going to be giving me internet. <laughs> I need that. <laughs> I was, my <laughs> students are going to be making sure five, 5G is 5G, you know? We're not getting played for no 4G, right? Yeah, That's seriously. Right. It's big. That that is big. Yeah, um, he's more of a um, middle school, high school, and I'm I'm more of a pre-K to fourth. That's why it's like a good little. Like, yeah, your, now, your students just graduating right into exactly. The program. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we can create mm-hmm. more people like you who are creators and producers, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. See the goal. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, thank you for for what you guys are doing. I, I think that uh, both programs are absolutely amazing. Um, I'm going to put it out there. I would love to come in and just be a part of sharing this further with with people uh, because I do think that this is something that needs to be a much more commonplace well, as we talk about what education reform looks like mm-hmm. um, and how we take what we are learning in the classroom and has a real world applications mm-hmm. so people can understand once they do graduate high school, if they do decide to go into further education or they decide to immediately go into the workforce with this amazing um, uh, pencil idea that like they, they, they know what to do with what they've learned. Um, right. So thank you. Thank you for stopping by. Thanks again, where, where can we um, get your plugs in again? If, the, if students want to participate or if parents are listening and want to participate in the program. Well, um, I respond to all DMs. So we have an Instagram page, um, Stemland Foundation on Instagram. Um, we have Facebook, the Stemland Science Foundation, and we don't have a Twitter working on that. Um, but we have Instagram, um, and just through email, stemlandfoundation at gmail.com, and our website, of course, uh, stemlandscience.org. And I could give you all these links to you know, oh, I'll put it in the uh, show notes. Oh, perfect. Oh, for sure. Cool. And uh, you can follow us on firsthand at, well, it's at firsthand Philly on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And um, if you're interested in like specific questions, you can just shoot me questions at firsthand at sciencecenter.org. Oh, Aaliyah, David, thank you for stopping by having this conversation. Appreciate it. I appreciate yes. you both. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Once again, I want to thank David and Aaliyah for having this deep dive into what it means to reintroduce science, technology, engineering, and mathematics to our students, and that has real-world applications. And that real-world applications part is incredibly important. So many uh, high school students and students that are in college right now or adults that are in the workforce have this common complaint that what they learn in the classroom isn't applicable to real life. Well, STEM is about the exact opposite of that. And it's about how we take what we learn into the classroom and apply it to real world settings, on the job settings, entrepreneurial settings. So thank you again to David and Aaliyah for really diving into this conversation with me. And if you have an opinion about education, I want you to email me. Um, What has been your experience as you've navigated through high school into college and beyond 
What is your opinion on how our education system is working or is not working as a whole? Email me at realtalk at salazcorner.com. I'll put my email as always in the show notes as well as David and Elias if you want to reach out to them about their respective programs. And then once again, I want to thank you for always tuning in. Please don't forget to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. In order for this platform to reach uh, more listeners, it is up to you. I rely on this audience to help support me. So share as much as you like. Make sure you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. So Last Corner is recorded out of Rec Philly. It is a space for creative individuals. It's produced by producer extraordinaire Bree Wilson and features music produced by Delgado. For more of my work, please visit SalazCorner.com. And until next time, peace, y'all.